Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Amen. Aren't you grateful for the blood of Jesus? Hey, would you take your Bibles and go with me to um, Matthew chapter, chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. I'm grateful for our staff for, for helping last week. Um, for those of you who wondered, I'm, I'm in good shape. Doctor, I wasn't sure what I had. Doctor wasn't sure what I had. I tested negative, all those types of things, but still had some issues. And so he said, best thing let's do is quarantine. Listen, I have been locked up in my house for 10 days in a room, I told staff the other day, that is, is about the size of my first apartment. Wasn't much at all. In my office, I have an office at the house. It's a little bigger than a bedroom, but has a chair, a TV, a desk. I laid a, a twin mattress in. My wife said, don't come out. And so uh, she, she got so tired of me, she ran off to Alabama this weekend to be with her family for Christmas and said, you're on your own. And so if you don't mind, what I'd like to do, since I've been clooped up for 10 days, I'd just like to preach until I get tired. And I'm thinking that's a couple hours, if that's all right with you. We'll just, we'll just go. Hey, I was just thinking about this message. I was thinking about, um, there's a TV show that my son really has gotten into. It's, it's not been on the air for some time. It's called Dirty Jobs. Any, Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs, anybody fans of Dirty Jobs? Drew has gotten into where he just loves that show uh, to the point that um, it's on reruns and he's watching these shows and, and we have been watching these things and seeing all the, all the things that Mike Rowe has done, all the, the funny jobs he's done. Uh, and so that day I was thinking, I thought, let's, let's see what dirty jobs uh, Mike has done. I wonder if he's come up with a list of things that he wished he'd never do. For those of you who don't know about the show, basically he'll do the dirtiest thing, uh, you know, people have. Just call him and he'll come and make a TV show out of it. Um, you know, one of the dirty jobs he hasn't done yet, I keep thinking, is a lawyer, Charlie. You know, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but you agree, I see. Uh, let, me, let me give you five, five that he, he, he did that he just uh, doesn't want to ever do again. A sewer inspector. Now listen, I'm not going to go through the details that he gave why he doesn't want to do a sewer inspector, but you can only imagine what's involved in inspecting a sewer line. And from his description, they did it at the worst time of year, like July. So um, he just said, I don't want to do that one again. A uh, snake inspector. Now, he did this at, uh, in Maryland at Erie Lake, and what they were to do is they get in a boat, they were to go out, it was hot, and they were to get, catch these snakes, and they had to see what they had been eating to evaluate um, different things about the snake. And so you can imagine what it takes to get them to figure out what they've been eating, and I won't go there, I won't ruin your lunch, but, but he said what made that job worse was I'm out in this water, and all day long, all I've been doing is getting bit by snakes. And he said, on top of all that, it just was not a fun job. Uh, Charles, where are you at, Charles Townsend? This is one that I'm sure you've done. Yeah, he, he did that once. He said, that's just not a job I want to do again uh, to ins inseminate a cow. He said, that's just, he'll leave that to somebody else. Uh, concrete chipper. 
I thought this was an interesting one. Didn't think it was that difficult. But you see cement trucks that ride up and down the road, and, you know, they're turning. There's a reason they're turning is they keep that cement from drying. He says, after so much time, they have to get in those things and start taking a chisel and a hammer and start chipping away the cement that has dried on the, the turn. He said, it wasn't as much of a dirty job as it was just an uncomfortable job, claustrophobic being inside the thing. And then the last one, he says, was not a dirty job, but I'll never, ever do it again. And that was a shark suit tester. I mean, think about that for a minute. A shark suit tester. There's only one way to test a shark suit, isn't there? I mean, you could sit all day long and go, we think this will, this will protect you from a shark bite. But there's only one real way to do that. You actually have to get into the water with the sharks. And you actually have to let them bite you. Anybody want to sign up for that job? Yeah, I don't think so. I, you know, he said that wasn't a dirty job. It's just I'm never, ever doing that one again. You know, I think about these dirty jobs and I think about all that he lists. There's one I want to talk about this morning. And that's the... The dirty job of cleaning our heart. In Matthew chapter 15, we, we find Jesus hanging out with a group of people. And the religious people come up to him and they're questioning him on why his disciples are, have chosen to, to eat with unclean hands. And... and and really, this conversation has nothing to do with, with the dirt on their hands, but has to do with what's going on in the heart. And Jesus has some strong words here today. And as we talk about in our series, uh, having an, an open heart, a heart that's ready and willing to do all that God calls us to do, commands us to do, being willing to be used by God, there has to be an open heart, but our heart requires cleansing because for lots of us we have a dirty heart and we have to take care of that so would you pray with me father this morning as we open your word would you just remind us that you are a holy god who who loves us you love us so much you sent your one and only son You've called us not to look like the world, but to look like you. And so as we open your word today, help us to examine our hearts so that we know you better. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles and you're at Matthew chapter 15, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? We're going to read the whole chapter this morning. It's 39 verses, and uh, beginning in verse 1, Matthew 15. Then Jesus was approached by the Pharisees and the scribes from Jerusalem who asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, Why do you break God's commandment because of your traditions? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. You say, whoever tells his father and mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple. 
He does not have to honor his father. In this way, you have nullified the word of God because of your traditions. Hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Summoning the crowd, he told them, Listen and understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then his disciples came up and told him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? And he replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind guides the blind, both will fall into a pit. Then Peter said, well, explain this parable to us. Do you still lack understanding, he asked. Don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is eliminated? But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. This is defiles a person. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. When Jesus left there, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from the region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by demons. Jesus didn't say a word to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, Send her away because she is crying out after us. He replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He answered, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus replied to her, woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. In that moment, her daughter was healed. Moving from there, Jesus passed through the Sea of Galilee. He went up on the mountain and sat there, and a large crowd came to him, including the lame, blind, crippled, those unable to speak, and many others. They were put them at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd was amazed when they saw those unable to, to talk, and the crippled restored, and lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they gave glory to God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. Otherwise, they might collapse on the way. The disciples said, where can we get enough bread in this desolate place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked, seven, they said. A few small fish. And after commanding the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to the disciples. And the disciples gave it to the crowd. They all ate and were satisfied, and they collected the leftover pieces, seven large baskets full. Now there were 4,000 men who had eaten besides women and children. After dismissing the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. You may be seated. Chapter 15, I want to look at the entire chapter because in this chapter we see three different groups of people. We see people who are, are, are unwilling to recognize their hearts, those who see their hearts, and then we see a Savior who can clean our hearts. 
fact, here's a big idea for you this morning. People may look and talk like they are believers, but salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ. You, you can look, act, and talk like a believer, but if you've never had your life transformed by the saving grace of Jesus Christ, you are, as Jesus says in this text, a hypocrite. So as we look at this text, we, we start off in the first 20 verses and we have this conversation going on Jesus has with these religious leaders. Now remember, they are the people who everybody looked to because they are the religious elite. They know what the scroll says. They know what the law says. They've practiced it. And on this particular day, they are watching Jesus and his disciples. And as his disciples are coming through, they notice they're eating with unclean hands. Now listen. <clears throat> They stopped Jesus and said, why do your disciples do such a thing? Now, it wasn't like they stopped him like your mother would stop you before you got to the table. I mean, how many times have, how many of you have had your mother say, go wash up, it's time to dinner, right? Uh, uh, honestly, how many of you went to the room and didn't wash? JJ, thanks for being honest. Um, you know, I mean, this is not kind of like go wash your hands, it's time for dinner. It, it, it is a significant moment. In, in fact, this is so significant. Later in the book of Acts, Peter has, has this vision from God and reminding him what's clean and unclean and, and, and that all things that God created were, were clean and they could eat. But Jews had their traditions. And and while we find nothing in Scripture that talks about hand cleaning, we find all sorts of things in Scripture that tells us what is clean and unclean. You read the Old Testament and you find out what animals you can eat because they're clean and what you cannot eat because they're unclean. You find out if when you are clean and when you're not clean. If you've touched this, if this has happened to you, these are the moments you're unclean and these are the moments you're clean. And so everybody knows at some point everybody is unclean based on the Old Testament laws. But everybody can be clean. But there's no record of God ever saying of washing your hands. Again, it's not that he's opposed to cleanliness in the hands, but it's not a law. But what has happened over, over time has been what the Jews have done in the Mishnah, which is the Jewish law, is they have decided there are the commands that God has handed down in writing and things to Moses and these people. Then there are the oracle, orals, the things that he's told somebody. Somebody somewhere said, Mike Thomason said, God said this, so we better write it down, and now we all have to do that. And somewhere along the line, somebody came along and said, God says you, get, you cannot eat with unclean hands. But the problem with that is they're putting words in God's mouth. And so they come to this place. They see the disciples and Jesus, Jesus standing there, and the Jewish leaders come to Jesus and say, why? This is, why are you breaking this law? And Jesus looks at him and goes, wait a second. You want to talk to me about breaking law? Let me talk to you. Let me give you four things we find throughout this passage as we talk about clean and unclean. The first one is the clean are dirty. The clean are dirty. Jesus looks at this group of people, these religious leaders, who are questioning them. 
and says, you want to talk to me? You're the ones who, who, found, who found a way to tell people they didn't have to honor their father and mother. Jesus goes to the fifth commandment of the Old Testament and says, says listen, God says, honor thy father and mother. You found a workaround because you've told people that they can just give money or pledge money to the temple. In fact, if you look in Mark chapter 14, the word is Corbin there, and that's the word they'd use if, hey, mom, dad, I'm sorry, I've Corbin that money. Meaning, I've given it, I've promised it. In fact, here's the truth. You didn't have to give that money to the temple. You just had to promise it. And it didn't say when you'd give it. So on your deathbed, if you, whatever you had left, if you, if you promised it, it could go to the, to the temple. If you didn't have any money when you got to the deathbed, so be it. And Jews were good with that. And Jesus says, you want to talk to me about clean and unclean? These guys eating and you are teaching people this? You people who claim to be religious, you people who think you are saved people, you've got no idea. Sometimes we get lost in that. We forget that while we can claim to be believers, we're still got dirty hearts. Let me back up. While we claim to be believers, we still have dirty hearts because we are sinners and we have to recognize this. Religious leaders of that day came along and said, no, I'm good. I look good. I'm good. We can't live that way. We live in a world where people want to act like they're clean, but really they're dirty. And we, we look at a world when, when we decide that, hey, because my name's on a church roll, I'm good, I'm going to heaven. No, that's not quite right. I don't care if your name's on a church roll, you can split hell wide open with that. And, and here's the thing, I get it. We get a little uncomfortable when we talk about a person's heart because that's between them and God and that is exactly true. It is not my place to tell you whether you're saved or lost. But here's what I do know. The Bible is very clear on what a uh, saved person looks like and what a lost person looks like. And there's no in-between. So if you're not practicing faith, Jesus says they'll know you by your love for one another. If you're not loving people as the way the Scripture teaches, if you're not putting your faith into works as James talks about, if you're not doing the things, practicing the things of the spirits of the gifts, if you're not all these things, then listen, you're claiming a clean heart and you're as dirty and sinful and in need of saving. I meet somebody, they say, well, our our membership's so-and-so, where's so-and-so? Well, I don't really care. That doesn't get you to heaven. Where's your heart? You know, when I have that conversation, they never like the next question. It's easy to say we belong, but when I go, but where's your heart? That's a different story. Second thing we find in this text is, is the dirty are recognizable. They're recognizable. And I talked about it just a second ago, that through Scripture we find, we know what the Bible teaches, how we're to live our lives. And if, if we claim to be a Christian, what that should look like. 
And so I have no problem calling or asking you about your relationship with Christ because as a believer, one of the things in the fellowship of the body of Christ we're to do is to hold one another accountable according to what Scripture teaches, not according to what Ertie says, but according to what Scripture says. And although that's, that's not a favorable thing to do because nobody, you know, it's none of your business, you're right, it's none of my business, but if you, if you want to be in the right relationship, you'll take it in the right way. But the second thing is, we find that the dirty are recognizable. Look with me at verses uh, 19 and 20. 19 and 20 of the text tells us these things. For their hearts come from evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that are defile a person. But eating from unwashed hands does not defile a person. Here's the thing. These seven sins we see right here, these are a list of seven. Those are the things that we find of a person's heart. Notice Jesus begins with, the, with a person's heart on the thoughts. And then he moves further down the list. So think about it. You ever had evil thoughts? You ever been frustrated with a coworker that you hoped they got caught or you've been driving down the road seeing a car and they're making you mad and you just hope their police officer would pull up soon and they'd catch them? Maybe your thoughts even went further down that path that, man, I just hope they get in a wreck or I hope this. Would you say any of that is a loving heart? Heard somebody this week say they had a friend that uh, they live in a metropolitan area and every time they were driving, if you've ever lived in a metropolitan area, you know the traffic is terrible. You just don't get in a hurry. You just plan that. And every time they're going, people are always merging. That's just the way it is. Uh, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be with me in the car in the, in the metropolitan area because I know you just keep going and you just keep moving. They'll get out of the way. Especially, especially if your car doesn't look that great and theirs does, all right? <laughs> you just keep moving. So, anyways, this person, I uh, heard this person say, you know, I just always say, come on over. God bless you. God's blessed me today. I've had a great day. They said, I, I always love riding with that person because they just have a, their heart. It's a great attitude. But have you ever been in a car with somebody who, who just gets frustrated over the littlest things? Think about it. What's your thought process? How, how, are you, how do you see people? Are you loving people or is it constantly, oh, here they come? What well, did you know? Because in this list of seven sins that Jesus tells is slander. So that means gossip. Getting on the, getting on the, getting on the church prayer line going, hey, did y'all know so and so? Now, I'm, this is because I'm praying for them. But did you all know that this was what's going on. All those things reveal a dirty heart and evil heart. Then he goes on and lists all the sexual immorality and those types of things. Friends, here's the truth. If you're here this morning and you go, I never have those thoughts, I'd be careful with that statement. You may not have the thought of, of 
bodily harm to somebody who cuts you off in traffic, that may not be yours. But chances are you, you, your heart's not, not, a, not free from frustration and anger towards somebody. Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Above all things. Do you understand that about your own heart? And if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be? Where would our hearts really be? If it wasn't for what God has done through Jesus Christ, our hearts would be so filthy. We would see things in a different light. But as a believer and as someone who's put their faith and trust in God, we come to a place and we recognize that dirty heart, but we, but we also recognize that a dirty heart can become clean. That's the third thing I want you to catch this morning. A dirty heart can become clean. Matthew chapter 15, I had originally thought I'd just do the first 20 verses, but when you, when you wrap the whole chapter together, you come into this next group of verses and you begin to see this woman who comes and she's pleading with Jesus for Jesus to heal her daughter. But here's the thing. When Jesus was talking about what defiles a person, he not only talked about it, he practiced it because we know in the text that Jesus leaves those Jewish leaders and he goes into a Gentile community, which a Gentile was, was dirty, was unclean, was nobody be, to be around. In fact, there's a language in the text about, about Jesus telling the woman that, about the dog and, and we kind of get lost there and think, what, why would Jesus call her a dog? He, he didn't in uh, many ways. But to a Jew, a Gentile was a dog, a dirty, unlovable dog, not a cute, cuddly dog, not a dog like Stacy and I were talking about her dogs this morning, not like, not like a lap dog you have. And, and the, the, the wording that Jesus used to describe the dog to her is, is more of that, that kind. And Jesus does this for, for a reason, not to play with her, but to help her to understand her faith. For see, he's in this Jewish community and he says, I have come from the lost of Israel. Well, she's a Gentile. He, his role at this moment is for the Jews. She's, she's the dog. And so he, he's practicing this and he's having this conversation. She's acknowledging who he is. She's even called him son of David, which she would never have done because she's not a Jew. She would not have recognized it. If it wasn't for faith in Jesus and she recognized the power he had, she recognized he could heal her daughter. He looks at her and says, your faith is, is healed. Because when he goes and tells her that, listen, he tells her and says, says, we don't give the children's bread to the dogs. And a faith answer, she says, yes, but the dogs eat at the, at the feet of the masters. She recognized, she recognized who he was. He would come from the Jews, but 
He also had the power to save. And it was at that moment her daughter is healed. She recognized who she was. She was dirty, but he was the one who could cleanse her. Did you catch that? She knew she was dirty. She was a Gentile, but she knew who the Savior was. Which leads me to the fourth thing. Jesus is the hope. Amen? Jesus is the hope. The next piece of the text in Matthew 15, we find Jesus goes and we see the feeding of the 4,000. And we notice that the first part of those verses, they bring all the, the lame, the crippled, those who couldn't speak, all of them, they put them at Jesus' feet. He heals them all. He's the one who their hope was in. He's the one who, who gave them the ability to speak, to walk, to be healed. But I want you to notice, there's a moment in the text when Jesus has his disciples and he's looking at these people and he says to them, I don't want to send them away hungry. The text actually says he had compassion on them or for them. Aren't you glad that Jesus has compassion for his people? That he loved us so much that he came, that he went to a cross, that his passion for us is our hope. That we have eternal life because of Jesus Christ. You see, as we look at this chapter as a whole, I quickly realized it's a reminder to us of where we all are. We're all dirty. The only question is, do we recognize we're dirty and need of cleaning? We know what the sins are, what Scripture teaches is sin. Putting God second and something else first. Gossip, slander, sexual immorality. Uh, we could go through a whole list of things that we know what the Bible tells us is wrong. But then there's a whole list of things that, just like the Pharisees were doing, that we have decided are more important than God's law. Right? I mean, the Pharisees had decided clean hands were more important than honoring father and mother. And before we get too far off thinking how dare they, we do the same thing. We've built churches around our own desires and wishes and not around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dr. Tom Rayner, who retired from Lifeway as the president, before he was president, he was uh, the Billy Graham School dean at Southern Seminary. I, I happen to know this particular church just due to some connections. In one of his classes, he never acknowledged the church, but it was apparent that if you knew the situation, you knew the church. But a church had called him and said, hey, we'd like for you to, we're beginning a brand new church. We want to start our church right. We would like for you to come and help plant this church in this community. 
Dr. Rangers began to listen to them. And as they began to tell him what they were doing, it was a church split. This group was leaving a, another church and was going to start this church. As they were talking to Dr. Rainer, they started making their list of things that their church is going to do. And that list became more about their preferences than it did their love for Jesus Christ. We're going to be a church that uses the hymnal. We're, laugh. We're going to use the hymnal. We're going to, we're going to sing from, from without screens. We're going to preach the word of God. We're going to, we're going to do the, and they just made this list. Dr. Rayner is always polite but poignant at times. Just said, listen, I don't think you need me to help plant a church. Because that's not what you're trying to do. And he bowed out. They, they went on to, to, to plant that church. And he did, he did make a statement to the class that says, you know, anytime you, you stop and you take a disgruntled church and you go plant it and you go plant it disgruntledly with these measures, you'll never be successful. That church to this day has never been successful in the eyes of God. In the eyes of man, they got a building. It's a nice building. But they can't keep a pastor more than two years infighting continues to happen because that's how it started. And yet they could not recognize their own sinfulness. We all, every, listen, you want to know why the church in America is having problems? Because we can't recognize the dirt in our own life. We can't recognize that we need Jesus more than we need anything else. So, let's, would you bow your heads with me just for a second? We're going we're gonna to get Marshall out. Uh, Mark, come help me. Oh, here you go. No, no, we got, we got EMT coming. You bow your head with me. Father, this moment we pray for Marshall. We pray uh, for Garland as he's going to help him. We pray that your hand is on on him and uh, Lord we know that you're the great physician and so Father may may you work in this moment for it's in your son's name we pray Amen Alright if you give him just a second they've gone to get a get a chair and Garland's there Garland's our, our EMT here's the chair we'll we'll get we'll get Marshall out so alright now as they're doing that as we continue to look and we think about a clean heart, you have, to, you have to ask yourself where your heart is in the middle of all this. And um, I, know you, I know it's hard for you to focus if you just let them handle their, their deal here. Let me give you two things that we have to learn from this text while, while they're doing that. First one is, your heart is revealing itself. Do you realize that anybody who watches you, anybody who sees you can see your heart? They, they know what you, they know about you. I mean, you, you spend any time with a person, you talk to a person, they will, uh, they will, they will uh, reveal their heart to you. 
They, their heart can be revealed to you in such a way, Christiane Boone, you want to walk on up. Uh, the, your heart can reveal to somebody just by your words. If you, if you spend all your time talking about money, where is your heart? Right? Money. If your heart is continually talking about um, uh, sports or what your kids are doing, where's your heart? Shut that door for me. Um, it, it's a rev- it reveals your heart. Your heart is revealed through the things that you do. Listen, you may, you may think you're clean, you may think you're good, but everybody else around you knows because they see your heart. They see what's going on. They know what's happening. And the second thing I want you to catch, your heart can be changed. Your heart can be changed. No matter what you go through, no matter what you face, no matter what you deal with, your heart can be changed. Nobody would have said at that moment that a, that a um, Gentile could be saved. Jesus looks and has compassion on her and says, your faith, your faith. I don't know what you're dealing with, don't know what you're struggling with, but do you know that God is a God of miracles? And he can save you. 2002, there was a, 2002, we, we got uh, introduced to Frank Abernathy. Uh, Frank Abernathy was the guy from Catch You If You Can. In fact, here's a real picture of him. I, I love this story. I love this quote. I never got to t- tell my dad I'm sorry. He lived his whole life as a fake. Or let me rephrase that. He lived much of his life as a fake. Um, former chief of police of Houston once <laughs> said in his book, he says, Frank Abernathy could write a check on toilet paper on the Confederate States and cash it in a bank using a, a, a Chinese um, identification card. He was that good that he, he, could, he could cash a check doing that. That's, that's what they thought he could do. Frank Abernathy, if you've watched the movie Catch Me If You Can, he was, he was a doctor, he, was an air, he worked for the airlines, he was a lawyer. In fact, it's interesting that he passed the bar, all sorts of things. He lived his life being somebody else. And then he finally got caught. After he got caught, he obviously went to prison and, and uh, spent some time in jail. Once he got released... He tried his hand at grocery, working at a grocery store, working at a clerk, working at all sorts of things, and just, he just couldn't do it. He finally decided, I, I, I'm going to a bank, and I'm going to tell them who I am. And so he went into the bank and says, hey, here, here, here's who I am. Here's what I can do for you. I can help your tellers and your bank recognize a fraud. If you'll let me. And tell you what, I'll do it for free. And at the end of the day, I'll take, take you through a class. And at the end of the day, if you like what you hear, you just pay me $50. They took him up on it. He began being successful. 
He began a different life. In fact, he opened in Tulsa his own uh, Arbana, uh, his own um, firm looking at frauds. In fact, he worked with the FBI and other, other people. A man that everybody said, he'll never change. Went from being a crook to being an honest person whose life was changed. Imagine what God can do if you would be honest and say, God, here's my heart. I give it to you. I know I'm dirty. I know I've got issues. I know I, I need your help. But God, you're my hope. What, what could God do? This morning, if you're here and you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, here's what I want to encourage you to do. At the end of the service today, right outside these doors, Mike Thomas is going to be standing there. He'd love to tell you the plan of salvation and walk you through. But it's as simple as admitting you need help, admitting that you are dirty, believing that Jesus can cleanse you from your sin, and choosing and committing your life to Christ. Mike would love to take you down that journey a little longer. There's another decision on your heart to join our church family or to, or to, or something else. JJ will be out there as well. You, you just go out there. Have a conversation with him. But would you let God have control? If you're watching us by television, listening to us, you can call 270-681-2363. 270-681-2363. We'll be glad to answer that. Would you pray with me?